I'm Owen Richards, founder and CEO of Air Marketing and host of On Air with Owen. On Air is an interview series where I am lucky enough to interview some of the world's best sales leaders, as well as individual contributors, sales managers and entrepreneurs who contribute to our wider topic, which is revenue growth. Each guest picks a subject that they're an expert in and we drill down into that subject, hopefully giving you practical ideas and concepts and things that you can implement in your role or your business straight away. We discuss things like partnership channels, sales tactics, sales strategy, demand gen, marketing and business growth. And I hope that you enjoy listening to all of the ideas and expertise that comes from my discussions with our guests. So thanks for joining us. Sit back, relax and enjoy the listening. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of On Air. Today I am joined by Nikki Patterson. Um, Nikki is the Chief Growth Officer at Solutions Driven. Um, first and foremost, welcome to the show, Nikki. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me on, Owen. Not at all. Great, great to have you here. Um, and look, we're going to dive into a really good topic actually today. So we're going to be talking about um, the importance of a growth plan in a business. So we all want to grow our businesses. We all want to be going in the direction, the, the right direction. We all want to be selling more. But how important is actually having a growth plan documented and, uh, and in place? Um, how important is that to the growth? Why should we have it? And what does that actually look like? Um, but before we dive into topic, what we like to do with our guests is just give them two minutes right at the top, because there are people that are listening to this or watching it that may know you. There are people that may not. So um, could you give us two minutes? Who's Nikki and who's who are Solutions Driven? So Nikki Patterson, Chief Growth Officer. I mean, what is a Chief Growth Officer first and first and foremost? I think for me, it's a really polite way of saying head of sales, head of customer, head of, you know, head of the customer experience, head of commercial. Um, so I, I do wear a, a number of hats uh, here at Solutions Driven. I'm absolutely involved in revenue. I look after, I give myself a target. So I'm in it with my team to, together. Um, I'm responsible for, at the moment, a team of you know, nine um, at various levels from key account managers to, uh, if you want to call it AESDR, uh, if you if you go down, um, that team has doubled over the last over the last year due to having a I guess a growth plan and, and a growth mindset, and you know solutions driven are a global recruitment partner right across STEM, so life science, technology, engineering, manufacturing. Been going now for twenty five years. Worked with some absolute brand names. You know your Jabo, Plexus, Amina, etc. But we also work with a a lot of of startup scale up companies and some emerging technologies, whether that be three D printing, you know, biotechnology, SaaS, Martech, etc. We fill roles in fifty nine countries. Um, uh, I mean, we filled probably seven eight hundred vacancies last year. So we're a company that does quite a lot. You know, we I guess we have a lot of competitors. Right, uh, there's a lot of recruitment choices and options out there, um, and 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 for us, you know, we work roles from mid level. I would say probably that really senior AE is is that entry point. Um, a lot of individ individual contributor roles, but we do a, a hell of a lot of, you know, manager, director, VP, executive level roles uh, as well as kind of a, you know, fast scaling project uh, pro projects for clients, which probably fits more into this conversation today. 
Makes sense. Thank you very much for that. I, I'm going to just pick up on something you said, and, and I, I just want to ask a question around that. So you said double the team in the last 12 months due to having a growth plan and mindset. A growth mindset. What is that? Well, like, what is that? What does that mean to you? What, what's the difference between a growth mindset and a normal mindset? I mean, you can you can go to work every day and just go in, clock in, clock out and go home. Right. Take your paycheck or you can come in and say, I'm going to improve today. Right. And that can be yourself or that can be the business. And I'm of, of you know, I'm in a company that wants to grow and I'm a person that likes to to grow things also. Um, I think you can do that when you have the right people, the right process, yep. the, the right technology. Right. I mean, you might have a growth mindset, but a terrible company and, and you can't do anything with it. Right. But, you know, for me, after my previous career was a pro soccer player, right, or pro football, right, depending on the audience, I need to stop saying that. And, um, you, you know, retiring from that, I always wondered, what am I going to do next? What am I going to feel really passionate about? What am I going to do when I'm on a Sunday evening and I'm not, oh my God, I've got work to go to tomorrow. And I, I guess I'm very fortunate at Solutions Driven that we've got a ton of awesome clients, we do a good job, and, and you realise when you do that, let's replicate that. You know, let's do more of what we're doing. There's another market we can be doing. There's another this, that, the next thing. And, you know, we've been through a couple of tough years, everyone, I guess, right, in terms of uh, COVID and lockdown and, and whatnot. And we doubled in, in revenue that year. And that genuinely just gave us that real confidence. And confidence is probably the right word that, you know, we were different. We were good different. And, you know, we then put, I started to put plans in place about how we did more. Um, and and so far so good. Good stuff. I think it's a really good point about the you know you make a choice, don't you, when you come to work? Do you choose to come in and do your job, or do you want to get better every day? I think it's a really nice way of putting it. And that growth mindset informs the choices that you make. Do I hire another person? Do I take more risk? Do I invest more in marketing? Do do I do I go to this event or do I not go to this event? We're making choices every single day, and it's the mindset that informs those choices that allows you to grow or not. So it's a really really interesting point. And we're going to talk about the importance of a growth plan. I like to just step back from subjects first and just understand what it actually means, because I think we can make the assumption that every note one knows what a growth plan is. What is a growth plan to you? So I, I get that you might need some kind of plan. I get that people want to grow, but I'm guessing there are plenty of people that are growing, flying by the seat of their pants, making it up every day. You've got some kind of plan. I think you've talked about a two, three year plan there. What 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 did that process look like? And what what how do you how do you describe that plan? I mean, let me take a step back or start that from a different angle, right? Sure. I'm very, very fortunate that I get to speak to sales leaders and business leaders and HR and talent acquisition leaders, executives every day. So I get to steal, beg, borrow knowledge for fun, right? I don't come up with all this stuff on my own and I'm part of some amazing networks pavilion etc right that you know mm. people are constantly and we're just in a, a phase where people share stuff every day you know you can go on and learn and grow by just watching LinkedIn you can consume your day but on the flip side of that you know you're seeing the average tenure of a VP of sales being 18 months the average tenure of an SDR being six months you know if the SDR is not promoted in six months you know they're raging and you know they want to go find the next thing our mm. uh, growth mindset globally right now is absolutely messed up, right? People are expecting things quicker than they ever ex have expected things. You know, they've not even hit their own target yet and they're thinking about the next role. You're seeing 
VP of sales, you know, from the day they're hired, they're promising the world to get the job, they get the job, and then they go, right, this is not what I expected, or mm-hmm. maybe I don't quite have the infrastructure around me to go and build that team. You're hiring a VP of sales and saying, great, you know, your job is to take us from 5 million to 10 million. You know, you're going to double the team and they go, great, but they've never hired before, for example. And I'm only using that because that's my, you know, mm-hmm. our, our skill set here. And then a VP of sales that used to be a really good salesperson, maybe managed a couple of people, you're now asking them to daily coach individuals, spend three or four hours of their day building a network, hiring, interviewing, selecting, ramping on board. And, you know, I just feel right now we're in a spot where so many people are under so much pressure to hit numbers that everything's falling apart. Some of that is VC or investment backed. Some of that is people just coming out with ridiculous, you know, targets and goals because they go, my best salesperson did a million last year. We hire 10 people, we do 10 million. Just doesn't work like that, right? And I, I, I hate to say it, but I speak to probably half of the leaders that I'm speaking to right now are absolutely massively behind on their plan. So there's, so you ask me that there's a economic uncertainties and there's, you know, rising inflation. These things are all huge issues. There's no doubt about it. But people are also using these excuses for not doing their number. And people are not doing their number because they're not being set up for success. So for me, how has that come about, right? I, you know, I have grown within this organisation from the salesperson to the team lead to the manager, etc. And again, I've I've only been able to do those things by absolutely consuming myself and the people and the data around me. So who did what when I first came in? What was the benchmark? How do I beat that? And what do I do to beat that? Right, once I'm now looking after that team, how can we together, not not me, right? Not everybody's just going to be another me, for example. I've never ever thought that way. Everybody's different. But how do you collectively, you know, what are the, the best tools we collectively think can take us forward? And sometimes as a leader, you need to take some risk and some, you know, some tough decisions. But then ultimately for me, it's about, if, if I'm thinking about the plan to go forward, I think back to me. What have we done the last two years? Who have been our best clients? What's been the average order? What's been the average time to sale? What's our, what's our conversion, right? What's all the, the metrics that, and some people have a million, some people have not enough, but you need to find the right amount that you're not bombarding your team with KPIs. You need to, They need to be free, but they need to be very clear as to what your expectation is of them. And ultimately, if you've got, say you've got, I, I believe, you know, having somewhere between six and eight metrics is is, is about the right number. Yep. And then absolutely coaching consistently to improve on the one or two that they need support with. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you'll find there are common traits and trends within the team. And you can use the team to say, you're the best at that. So help the guys here, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So I've never tried to be, this is the Mickey show. I've tried to say, how do the four, five, six of us work collectively to all improve? Mm-hmm. I think if you look back and you say, okay, you know, the average is a million, you know, but one person did two. I think most companies, a big, big failure I see is, you know, they just set that bar just there and they think, do you know what, if we do 80, 90% of that, I'll be happy. But the team think they've had a shit year, right? So it's again, it's, it's, there's that fine balance between pushing someone and them feeling successful. And you know, can I dive into that? I think it's a really, really interesting point that you're making there. You've made it a couple of times in different ways uh, uh, already. Um, I, I find the same. So a lot of people are, are, are creating growth plans, 
business budgets, P&Ls, revenue targets, sales targets, individual sales targets, whatever it might be, that are too high. And it's interesting because success is a perception. It's not subjective. It's totally objective. And what might be success for one person here, I sold 500 grand in a business where the business is expecting 400. Somebody could sell 600 in the same sort of environment, but the target was 700 and be seen as a failure. Yet they sold 100k more in the year. And it's really interesting that dynamic that you create off of what you put as success and, and the impact that that has on culture, climate, retention of staff, you know, whether they're rewarded or not, all that sort of stuff. It's huge. And I, I think your point there is that it's got to be a balance, right, between a plan that's realistic and a wish and understanding the difference between those two. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and I think somebody can have an amazing year and, you know, they get momentum's key, right? Whether it's life, sport, work, whatever, right? If you get into that, I think a lot of salespeople will, will be familiar with, you know, what I've sold three things in a row here. I can't wait for the next one. Give me the next lead. Go, go, go. That's not going to happen forever for everyone either, right? And, and I think it's it's hard. Also, you know, it is important in our world as well that we don't lowball all the targets and things like that as well, because of a delivery team that if we oversell, they under deliver. And that's very, very important. Right. So we've had to absolutely work really, really hard on what have we done before? What does success look like? What are the main metrics that I should hold the team accountable for? And ultimately, you then need to hire people that want to be part of it. I always think, right, any salesperson is the CEO of their own little company. Uh, and that might be cheesy, right? But it's totally true because if you live in an environment, how many sales environments are you in where it's uncapped bonus or it's 100% bonus, et cetera, et cetera. If you're doing that time upon time, you're, you're the person that's getting the raise. You're the person that's getting ultimately some of the promotions. Sometimes mm-hmm. in roles that you're not wanting or ready for, but that's another story. But for me, I just think there's... To have a clear plan on where you're going, you need to look at what's happened previously. Now, the only caveat to that is you still need to be ambitious. I'm an ambitious person, but I'm a realistic person. So it's 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 kind of a finding finding that balance. But for me, the only way you can, because you can't just expect that same team to just keep, you know, we've weed four or five salespeople for three, four years. And every year we grew, we grew, we grew, we grew. More clients, more new logos, more average value order, more repeat business. And you're thinking, without adding any people, we're growing. And we're using a bit more tools and automation and, and you know, things like that. But all of it, but the, there's only a certain level you're going to get from, from people. There's a certain longevity you're going to get. No matter how well you treat some people, they might get other opportunities. I've been lucky, you know, I've not lost mm-hmm. very many in that team. But we doubled that team just last year again from a very logical point but then that was different right because for three months i was hiding yeah. took me away from what i was doing um for the next three months i was ramping that took me away from from what i was doing and you're going to have impacts to that most leaders don't think about that they go i'll still do my 100 grand a month and i'll get these others to do that uh, as well you know you can't be the hero forever and unfortunately i'm just right now i'm seeing time after time and it's not even just sales it's just business in general that People are behind in their workforce planning, even just recruitment world, right? You can start the year and say, nobody starts the year and says, I would love to lose 10 people this year and lose 10 million of revenue. Who the hell says that, right? Nobody. Everybody starts by saying, we're at 100, we'd like to get to 120. Here's the hires we would like. 
Great, off you go. Yeah. Some people might want to lean out, fine, but nobody accounts for, oh God, I'm going to lose mm. two of my five sales team. So whether it's a growth plan, whether it's workforce planning from a, you know, a, a recruitment point of view, whether it's a, a delivery plan or an outcome plan, whatever, I just feel right now there's far too many people getting it wrong. You know, I, I agree entirely. And I think you've touched on it already. Um, the importance of being informed by data within your business and 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 understanding the, the metrics that, 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 that play a role in growth. So if I put more money into this marketing channel, I already know what pound for pound I'm getting back. So if I put this in and that rule stays the same, therefore I drive these this number of inquiries into the business on top of what I've got now. That's a simple example. There are a hundred things that you could be measuring that, that measuring as inputs to business growth. You know, marketing spend over here, marketing spend over there, number of salespeople, activities from those salespeople, conversion rate from those salespeople, and they all play a role. Yeah. And across that process, you make assumptions, right? We make educated assumptions. So I assume that if I spend another 10K on PP, PPC this month and I'm spending 10K and get 100 inquiries, I can probably fairly logically assume I might get 200 inquiries. Now, you and I know both know it's not going to be 200 on the nose. It might be 150 because it's a bad month in that month. Anyway, it's a quieter month. Maybe the, the spend becomes less efficient as it gets bigger. Maybe it's more because it accelerates and puts you top of mind more often. And there's there's the, the on run of that. We don't know, but we can, we can make an educated assumption and we can do that across a number of data points in our business. What I'm seeing is organisations who don't have those data points to start with. So the assumption, the breadth of uh, or, or the, the the opportunity for error in those is big. And if you're doing that across multiple data points, it's multiplication theory, right? If, if one thing is wrong, it's one thing. If yeah. five things are wrong and they're being multiplied against each other, the gap can be absolutely huge. So I guess my question is, one, how much do you rely on data in the business to inform that growth plan? And two, what are some of the key data data points or metrics that you're looking at to, 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 to plan for the future? Good, really good question. I mean, I think, honestly, data leads my life and business now more than I ever thought it would do. Mm. Um, if I take a step back, right, we three years ago, we hired a head of marketing that on day one blew us away in the interview process. And then on day one said, by the way, just so you know, I can't market you guys. I'm like, what the hell? He's saying, because you guys are in 50 countries, you're in 20 different industries, you do all these different level of roles, like stand for something. You know what? You know what, what is it that differentiates you from the fifty thousand recruitment companies out mm. there? Because it's very noisy, right? He's like, I can't, where, where do you want me to start PPC? Where do you, you know? I'm like, well, that's what we're paying you for, right? But <laughs> it, 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 was, it was just making a point, and it was one of the best points he ever made because we just sit back and go, what the hell are we good at? And how mm. do you find what you're good at? You ask customers. So we ask customers, what do you like about us? What do you not? And then from what customers liked, we got all this data. So we then started to build, you know, marketing collateral around the data that we're good at, and that leads mm -hmm. to to other things, right? Now that's just one one example, and you know, the the what happened out of that conversation, we actually stumbled upon creating a recruitment category. Now, no recruitment company creates a category; they just try and win roles and place people, right? But I think we are more set up like a tech company than a recruitment company. That's our mindset. You know, we don't have people doing sales and recruitment. We have people that are good at sales and account management and sales and we have people that are good mm. at recruitment over here we've got people that are good at data over here 
and that's the way most businesses are, are run. So we're very similar to a lot of the tech clients that, that, were, that were like. Mm -hmm. But our category was recruitment, process and intelligence, right? RPI, that's what we stand for. It's an in-house methodology, probably more than anything else. But the recruitment is all about the results. How do we get the results, process and intelligence? So process is the framework that we put in place for our team to be successful, mm -hmm. KPIs, etc. And the data is, is, is it, everything else, right? It's, it's, it's your funnel, it's the number of opportunities, it's the number of, so for me on this, a very different funnel sales to, to the recruitment side, right? But on the, ultimately it's very, very easy, I think for us on the sales side, we know the exact percentage of business that we win yeah. um, from the opportunities that we open. And, and I'm happy to share that, right? I mean, if we talk to three brand new clients, we close one of them mm -hmm. consistently for the last three, four years. And it's been creeping up ever ever so slowly people right now are evaluating things that they do more than ever um but our existing opportunities we're closing them at nearly 90 percent mm. right because people already know you and, and and whatnot so what i'm not going to do is say okay your average is every deal is 50 percent. so a new person that comes into the business your target's 50 percent we start those guys at like you know one in four for the first six months, then get them mm -hmm. to one in three and grow and grow and grow based on the data that we've got for the last three yeah. four years. Um, and again, for me, it's just it's just simple maths, right? If 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 my team are opening ten opportunities a month, and they're all brand new clients, there's going to be three that say yes, I have an issue right now because yeah. you've actually approached me about what my challenges are, right? You need good good prospecting to begin with, but three of them will talk about something right away. Three or mm. four of them will say, I really like what you had to say, but not right now. And three of them will say, we can't work together for whatever reason. Yeah. If you do that consistently for six months, you've got a pipeline of 250 grand or, or whatever it whatever it may be, right? And it should always be moving up and up and up that you're any individual in the business, right? You're either you, you can spot the, the downfall right away because you can see you're either not opening enough opportunities. Let's look at the early part. You're not converting enough opportunities. What are you doing in the middle? You know, what are the reasons for people saying no? Great, that's a coachable opportunity. We use Gong for that. I think it's an awesome tool. I would recommend anyone to use Gong for, for that, particularly for, for, for leaders and people training and coaching and, and ramping quicker. Um, and then ultimately you've got your average value order. Now those those um it could be it could be recruitment, it could be SAS, it could, it could be anything, right? But you know. I guess you could look at not I don't actually say to the guys you must do a certain number of activity mm. I think that's BS right and I hate they do 100 phone calls and speak to three people that day and go home happy mm. that you know you need to have a, a real well thought out omni-channel strategy has yeah. to you do that then really it's about spending good chunks of time doing quality activity um, and and I guess there could be could be KPIs around that right but really it's opportunity open you know, pipeline growth, you need to make sure that, that pipeline is moving along. Yeah. You need to see your conversion and then your average order. After mm -hmm. that, in our business, we know business, you know, two, three, four, continued business takes yeah. care of itself. I'm, I'm interested to just understand your take on, on uh, the debate around sort of demand versus headcount growth so this relates a lot into the SaaS market that we do a lot of work in but I think it's 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 also true in yours that you know, if you've got a certain amount of demand coming in, you can you can solve that by by increasing headcount, right? By increasing yeah. headcount, so long as you get the right people. Um, equally, you can drive growth faster by saying, 
all right, I'll take 10 people on tomorrow because they'll create the demand. And as you said, they might be they might be less effective, efficient for the first three, six, nine, 12 months. But what we do is we drive growth over a sustained period of time. But of course, the risk is higher. The cost the cost of that is higher. Now, um, you know, if you're a SaaS company that's had 100 million pound funding, you're probably a great place to be able to take that strategy. If you're privately owned and you're not not got quite so cash rich, that's a, a big decision to go with. Albeit, you might not do it quite that size. I guess yeah. I'm keen to get your thoughts on how you plan around that because in a recruitment um, business, there's a temptation to go and take on five new consultants tomorrow or new salespeople tomorrow. What's stopping you? Cash flow? Yeah, okay. But if those people deliver. You're in it. Your growth accelerates a lot faster than it will without them. But against that is the financial risk, is the risk of those people being wrong, the risk of failure, the the, the dilution of culture of uh, attention. Your manager, sales manager, whoever it is, you you suddenly got more people, so you, you you spread across more people. You're less effective. All of these things are going in my head, and I'm just keen to get your thoughts and your commentary around how do you decide not to hire five people today or to hire five people today, and and and, and when is that decision moving as the, as the business evolves? Thank God, we, we are a very chicken and egg, right? Because, mm. you know, if if we want to turn a new clients, we need the delivery team there, the recruitment team there to I deliver know. upon that. And we've always been very conscious that, you know, if we oversell and under deliver, that's the worst thing possible. Yeah. Um, if you get entrusted by a company to go fill a executive level position, I'm like, oh God, I've got nobody there to do it. Sorry, I can't do this. You're not getting another opportunity. So. Mm-hmm. For us, we've got to always balance those things out. We've been very fortunate that we've got had a lot of repeat businesses that has allowed us to then invest in that growth team and really get that get that right. Um, you know, with a bigger than delivery team, you've got more mouths to feed, so you know that you need to keep them busy then then also, right? Um, I think a big thing you said there is that kind of a brand and culture first and foremost. You need to decide what do you want, right? Because mm-hmm. for me, culture can't just be decided it can be it can be led and it can be created and it can be improved but it can be destroyed with one shit higher Mm. right and take it back to a football dressing room all it takes is one bad egg you know and they start poisoning other other people or you've got the best salesperson but they're absolute nightmare they go cancer in the in the room and if you don't deal with that people they'll you know but they get away with it, you treat them differently, et cetera, et cetera. So you need to decide, you know, am I going to am I going to really align on what I want and be clear about what we were after and what we're going to do with those individuals? And that's, you know, this is the criteria we're looking for. This is what we're going to go after. This is what we're going to invest in hiring the best people possible. And we're going to tell them, you know, we're in this together. Here's the L&D path. You know, you do all of this for me. Here's what we'll give you, mm-hmm. right? That's now that can't all be done overnight. So a lot of times what, what you see is people just say, just hire five. Three of them will probably work out, two won't, and then we'll hire another four, and two of them will work, and you grow and you grow and you grow and you mm-hmm. grow. And that's kind of a part of part of the issue, right? There's too many people doing two versus one. For us, you know, we did sit down and say, How would we love to grow? What do we think that we need as a business? And ultimately, I just think you know, you, you let, let's just take the sales funnel, right? People just assume now it's SDR, AE, team lead, manager, director, VP. Like it's a kind of a linear, linear role. Whereas I think nowadays there is people want to go in other places. There's marketing, there's enablement, there's lead gen, there's, mm-hmm. there's loads of different other other aspects to it. And 
we wanted to create pathways for individuals. We wanted people to have different places to go, but we wanted them to be really good at what they we hire them for for first. So we used to be again just for sales, and all of a sudden, you know, we started to create not a hierarchy, but just different kind of a path, more of a career lattice than mm -hmm. a line, and you know, brought in people that everybody we brought in had to have some sort of a passion. What's their skin in the game? And that for me has been the biggest difference. I can tell looking at these individuals and speaking to them weekly that they care about the outcome of their performance and the team performance. Even if the team hits a number and they don't, they're disappointed. And I love that, right? But they're the people I'm going to break my back to try and support uh, uh, as well. Not everyone, you know, even if you try, you just really need to have the best recruitment process possible, I think, right? It needs to be robust. Whether you do it yourself or you ask someone else to do it, you need to commit the time to say what type of person is going to do well in this business. What is our culture like? You know, are we remote? Are we not? You know, if you change that halfway through it, it's got a different dynamic. You just need to be aligned on, on you know, the 90% of what you're, at, what you're after. And then you need to, sometimes you're going to get somebody that's been there and done it before, taking that step up. That's where you can afford to take the risk, I think, yeah. on that step up candidate that's a little bit hungrier, etc. How many adverts do you see now, right, that are, we're hiring SDRs, no sales experience at all. We're hiring someone, and by the way, you never need to have done it, just come with a good attitude. Yeah. yeah. Right, versus the person that says, I want the tried and tested. Yeah. And again, I think you just need to be really, really clear on the type of person that's going to work based on what you've kind of got in your business already. I think you go back to that startup scale up. When you've got five board members, you've not got any salespeople at all, they're just coming up with the best of what they know from mm. five years ago in their career or whatever. So yeah. uh, again, it's just putting the the right leaders in place to, to help you through those situations. It's absolutely key. Yeah, makes sense. Look, and, and you talked about the recruitment strategy. It kind of leads me on to my final question very nicely. So, you know, I, I'd love to just give you the chance to talk about who solutions, solutions Driven can help. I know you've, you've touched a little bit about being reasonably broad. There's all sorts of roles and countries you hire in, but perhaps you could just give us a bit of context around that. Who can you help and who, who should be talking to Solutions Driven and, and, and how can they get in touch with you as well? Yeah, I mean, it's, listen, it's Ed Patterson at socialdriven.com and I'm on LinkedIn and, you know, I'm always up for podcasts like this uh, as well. I'm on Pavilion. Um, I think I'm easily, easily reachable, right? But I, I think for us, you know, we don't want to just work with, you know, it's quite easy to run who are the top 100 funded SaaS companies in London, right? And then I could just sit and bombard them all day, every yeah. day. We are very much an organisation that has been organic growth and we typically... You know, say for example, we work with client X, we might approach 100 candidates for that VP of sales role, mm. 50 of them are interested, we interview 30, 20 get to know us very well, yeah. 7 or 8 get sent across to the client, etc. Right? We've got our own funnel to give them the best and make their life easy. But within that, you make really good relationships. So a lot yeah. of our next client comes from somebody that's been through the process, maybe hasn't been successful, didn't want the role, but they're still hiring over there because we're going after who we believe to be yeah. the A player, right? And if all I did was work with the top 100 SaaS companies, I've got no hunting ground. So for us, we prefer to work with companies that we've synergy with, that have similar values, that have, you know, they do genuinely. If somebody, if you care about your brand, you care about mm. your people, you want to hire people that stay, we offer a 12-month free replacement guarantee. Nobody does that. Yeah. Right? Uh, particularly now with the turnover of staff. If you're looking for, you know, 
a manager stepping up to be a director, a director, a VP, you know, that level of role, that's absolutely our bag. But I mean, if you're talking that senior AE, that enterprise AE, that diamond in the rough, uh, you know, if you're behind in your hiring plan, I'm, I'm absolutely up, up, up for chatting as well. We offer the kind of a we'll fill one role or we will, you know, we can dedicate your recruiter for a period yeah. that helps you fill a number of roles that comes with our methodology tools support etc etc so we're very agile in, in the market you know absolutely agile we're not maybe as rigid as say an rpo who mm. want to do all your recruitment it might just be a really important sales team that you want to put together for yeah. example and that's perfect so if you want somebody to represent your brand really really well and treat it as you know as important as we do to our own brand that's us sounds brilliant Nikki, thank you so much. Really enjoyed talking to you and, and listening to your 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 thoughts around the importance of a growth plan and, and how you make it up as well in the first place, how you build that out and, and, and what you base that on. Thank you ever so much for joining us on the show. Really appreciated having you on. Um, and yeah, good luck with the growth plan. Thanks very much, Owen. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. Another episode of On Air completed. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. I hope you learned something. I always learn something from these discussions. Please like, follow, share, subscribe, so that you can listen to the future interviews that I do with other sales leaders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and marketing leaders from around the world.